0: been a long time in the making, unbeknownst to me. Oh yeah, it has been. It has been, though. Like,
1: literally almost exactly a
0: year. fucking year. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about this for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I really dropped the ball on this one, and I was like going through my records, and I'm like, oh yeah, I need to do that. Oh.
1: Yeah. Let's tell the story behind why we're doing this. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So... Last January, we went to the Record Riot in Albany. In Albany, mm-hmm. very fun. We should go again next year. By the way, as long as they don't take unflattering pictures of me and use
1: them as their event page, I think that's because what that
0: they, that's a, it's a covert operation. To that take. is
1: exactly what they did, and yeah. I don't like it. So Dear Albany
0: Record Riot, Please knock st- it off. Pl-
1: you do not have my permission to use no. my face yeah. in your in your promotional shit. I don't think we because you take terrible pictures of
0: me, right? Awful. But anyway, so yes. we went last year. Yes. So we yeah. went and we were just at a booth. We we're looking at records like you do at the record riot. Yeah. And I found Big Country, looked at you, and said, Hey, it's yeah. in a big country by Big Country <laughs> because apparently bands that have songs after their band name tickles our fancy and, yeah, exactly it does but, but also it's a really good song um yeah and i basically at this point was like that's the only song by a big country yeah to which i was told immediately by the man working the booth that i was wrong yes and i'm sorry i forgot their names uh one when- mark th- i think and, and nick yeah, I think it's Mark Nick, and Nick was
1: definitely one of them. Me, Mike, Mark. I want to
0: say Mark. I do Mark
1: remember and Nick. that they have a podcast yes. and it's called Long Range Sarcasm. Yes, or and they
0: also have their own record label. Yes, called Long Range Sarcasm, but known as LSR, LRS, Long Range Sarcasm. That's it. <laughs> you know words, and they also. Run a record shop slash bookstore in Syracuse, New York, called Books and Melodies. Yeah. They are lovely. They were really nice. But he gave us the rundown on how Big Country is insanely underrated. And And we should take them seriously. We should take them seriously. (laughs) The Crossing is a bomb-ass album. He was right. And he was not wrong. Yeah. But I will tell you, I just listened to The Crossing. Oh, really? I have had that fucking album for almost a year. And I just... Because I wanted to save it for a special, for doing yeah. the episode. And I thought initially I was just going to do an episode on the album, The Crossing. But there's not a whole lot to talk about about the album itself. Mm-hmm. Then I did some digging mm-hmm. and realized Big Country has got an interesting story. Cool. So today... Can I call them Big Cunt for short? Yes. Cool. I actually am just disappointed <laughs> I didn't realize that I could do that. Damn, I am dropping the ball. Welcome to Rock Candy. Yeah. <laughs> and and we're talking about big cunt today. <laughs> your weekly podcast bringing you sweet treats of tales and stories from the world of music, also bringing you big cunts. Yes, that's oh, what you're God. here for. You're here for the big cunts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. At this point, we've been told we're you either love us or think we're cunts. So yeah. it kind of works. Yeah, kind of works actually. Yeah, this is like... a very appropriate episode for us. So we're your big cool. cunt hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yes, we are talking about the band Big Country, which I bet like people either saw the title. There's three reactions to this. <laughs> people saw the title and were like, oh shit, Big Country, they're a great band. I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah. Or they saw Big Country. Didn't they have that one song called Big Country? Or you saw it and you said, what the fuck is a Big Country? Who the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, so there are three reactions. I don't know which one you fall into, but... Welcome. Enjoy your stay. Hopefully we can learn you something cuz I have problems with the fact that this band didn't get bigger. Yeah, I mean
1: this album is a really good album. The Crossings a very good album. And they deserved uh, a whole lot more recognition oh. than they got. Even yeah, even though in a big country was their number 1 in America at least. Yeah. It didn't get enough recognition that it deserved. It's a fucking jam.
0: Yeah, no, it's I mean yeah, Big Country's a jam and the whole album, The Crossing, is a jam. And yeah. They had a couple of albums that were definite jams. They had some flops. Yeah. Which I will totally get into. <laughs> Woof. But they can be definitely compared to you two. Because they're kinda like the Scottish version of U2. Like that big sound music and but they're Scottish and like they were coming up around the same time and they actually were friends. I'm squinting. They ran in the I'm same Squinting circles. my I know. eyes like, like real hard. <laughs> like as squinty as I what? can squint them. What the listener doesn't know is I'm trying really hard to explain this to Ashley. And she I think her eyes are closed now.
1: No, I can see. Oh shit. Yeah,
0: oh my god, you're
1: doing a good job. And my nose is turned up. So. Yep.
0: Oh no, yeah. You, yeah, no. I'm I'm trying real hard. No, my pro but here's my problem is that like you two got huge and big country didn't. Yeah, that's where I'm trying to go with this. Is Casualties that of war, man. Honestly, though, yeah. And like they sang a lot about similar things, and for some reason, you two skyrocketed. Big Country did not.
1: It was the mullet, wasn't it? It was Bono's mullet. That's I mean, what did that
0: was it. Hot though, yeah.
1: Was it? That was an Uncle it was Jesse so hot. mullet. And of... then like
0: the best Big Country could do was like really tall, spiky hair. <laughs> they just couldn't get that sweet mullet that Bono had.
1: Yeah, it was definitely the mullet. It was the then. mullet.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. And then it turned into sunglasses. It was fucking <laughs> Hey, sunglasses. he
1: wears those because he has glaucoma. Wait, okay. Really? That's that was his excuse. He's like, I, I wear know. these douchey blue and orange sunglasses because I have glaucoma.
0: I mean, can't you just get surgery? I mean,
1: my mom <laughs> has glaucoma too, but she doesn't wear douchey bono sunglasses all the time.
0: Well, your mom's not douchey bono, is she? Exactly. Oh my god, can you imagine if your mom was bono? I wouldn't talk to my mom anymore.
1: <laughs> no, actually, I would because then I can go visit her at her castle next door to Enya. Yeah, so. right?
0: I mean, honestly.
1: I I'm, I would only have a relationship with my mom for Enya if she were Bono from
0: YouTube 2 Worth it. Worth it. Yeah. I like this alternate universe. <laughs> it's a really weird alternate universe where your mom's Bono. <laughs> Very weird because...
1: Bono would have to be able to give birth, so...
0: You know what, though? If there's any musician who's going to do that... It will be Bono. Right? Let's let's be honest. Yeah. So you can to be honest. Let's talk about this beer. This beer we're drinking. It's honestly good. <laughs> Get out. Bam, 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 bam. Oh, my God. That in a thousand. It is, it is actually quite... Well, it is quite tasty. It is Harvest from Oxbow... Oxbow? Oxbow. Oxbow, Oxbow Brewing Company. And it's Harvest because Big Country's actual first single is called Harvest Home. This is a deep cut that only a fan would know. (laughs) And even a fan might be like, I don't fucking know who they're talking about when we put out the teaser. And here we are. It is a wet hopped farmhouse ale. Oh, production time was five weeks and they tell you to keep it cold and enjoy it fresh. Well, duh. they gave you directions on how to drink beer on the can, in case you didn't know how to drink a beer. It's actually really fucking good, though. Yeah, it is. Like, I'm here for it, and it's seven percent. I would not put a saison down for seven percent, but here we are. Here we are. No, it's real good. If you guys see this, I think it's a newer beer too, because it looked it was in the newer section of Oliver's, So, <laughs> But they have a new section? They it's do like new releases at the as soon movie as you rental. walk into the
1: as soon as you walk in the door. There's like two racks full of like the good shit, and then. Or the good new shit, and then around the corner is like the the slightly older. Oh, it's this like, was around
0: the corner on the like, slightly older new shit. Around
1: the corner is like the dollar movies. Yes, like the secondary movie theater. Yeah,
0: yeah. like like still new releases good... in
1: the front, and then around the corner is the dollar movie theater. Yeah, but like
0: the dollar movie theater is still real good.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, normally I wait until like gets to the secondary movie theater and then I can see it for a dollar. That's like, great.
0: I don't think any of that's a thing anymore. I think it's you're always not, just going to spend 20 on myself. your fucking movie, no I matter just, what.
1: I just dated myself really hard. Sorry,
0: I didn't go to the movies enough.
1: Well, that's enough about dollar movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a about dollar movies, enough right. about beer.
1: Yeah, let's stop dating
0: ourselves. Yes. Now. Well, I mean, I think we're going to within this episode anyway. That's fine. Let's get into the story of Big Cunt Tree most of my sources are from interviews you can actually find like a lot of YouTube interviews with most of the band members but there isn't a really good article from loudersound.com called the life and Hard Times of Big Country and Stuart Adamson huh and that goes fucking deep like well, that's it's a a good a, resource. it was a really good resource so if you want like a really good, Deep dive into what we're talking about, read that for sure. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you can YouTube so many interviews, and they're pretty open and honest about the whole thing. So yeah. it's nice. They were one of the biggest rock bands in the world, but to us Americans, they are merely a one hit wonder. Granted, their US hit is a timeless banger. It's so good. So good. You can
1: throw that shit on the jukebox any day of the week. I will never get sick of it. Yo, that shit. Weezer, get the fuck out of here. Don't even touch it. Oh, Don't if. Oh, no. Even. Do not, Think about it. Do not kids bop that shit. I swear to God, Weezer. I will
0: come for you. Swear to God. <laughs> I will come for you. We're gonna. But Big Country is more than in a big country. Their discography is vast and impressive, and so is their story filled with inspiring ups and crushing downs. What happened to this band across the pond outside of their brief U.S. success why did this band not continue to get radio play here when they are so beloved around the rest of the world?
1: Yeah. Riddle well, me that, fucking U.S. Yeah, because we fuck up. We
0: don't know good shit when we hear it, honestly. Sometimes we do.
1: Sometimes,
0: but sometimes we drop the ball. And sometimes we bono. <laughs> well, let's take a deeper look at this rock band's history and try to figure it out. Big Country is a rock band that actually is from a relatively small country, yeah. Scotland. But a pretty good country. Oh, that's a good country, though. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that the start of this band lies in the heart of frontman Stuart Anderson, born in England to Scottish parents who decided to move back to their homeland when he was about a toddler. He had been playing in the music scene since he was a kid, and then he started his fair share of bands throughout his youth in high school. But before Big Country, he probably figured it was the punk rock new wave band Skids that he started that he would make it big with.
1: Oh, that was the time, wasn't it?
0: That was the time. The
1: Skids. <laughs> Which,
0: I don't, I don't know about this. I don't know. Ooh, I don't know about this, guys. <laughs> the Skids were formed in 77 and Stewart shared songwriting responsibilities with their frontman, Richard Jobson. They found some success in their single, Into the Valley, which landed at number 10 on the UK music charts. That's, you know, nothing That's to you not, stick at. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. it's pretty good. Not bad. Unfortunately, they began to increase in the amount of infighting as Richard tried to take more control of the band. This led Stuart to eventually leave Skids so that he could start a band where he could be in charge. And this was just as well because the Skids broke up a few years later.
1: But you could say he definitely... Left his mark I in skids. Hate you. I fucking hate you. Oh my god! Somebody had to do it. Oh. There's only
0: two of us here. And that's the end of the podcast, guys. We're done. We made a shit joke. We gotta leave we now. Finally gotta go. This is it. Finally made our skid mark joke. We're good. That's what the whole. This is all been building up to that, hasn't it? Oh my god! Back at square one. Stuart decided to start a band with his friend, Bruce Watson, a native Canadian who moved to Scotland as a child, which is funny to me because he arguably has one of the hardest accents to understand. (laughs) It is a deep ass Scottish accent. Really? Yeah.
1: All right. Well, what part of Scotland did he move to?
0: I can't say it and remember it. So (laughs) Scotland. He moved to Scotland. Probably Northern Scotland. Probably. Okay. Bruce brought with him an arsenal of talent in his guitar skills. He found ways to add colorful contrast to Stuart's vocals and melodies. Initially, they thought they had the band rounded out with drummer Clive Parker, Alan Weishart on bass, and his brother Peter on keyboards. But now some may know him better as Scottish National Party Member of Parliament, Peter Weishart. Oh. Yeah, he became a politician. That seems to be a thing. It is a thing, I think. The first this first version of Big Country was passable. They sounded fine enough, but we're obviously still trying to find their sound. And this was painfully displayed when for some unknown reason they were chosen to open for Alice Cooper. What? I want you to sit on that for a minute and really like who but what? What? But why? It yeah,
1: uh,
0: happened. Wasn't great. Uh, that makes my brain hurt. Yeah, I mean, this concert was terrible for a couple reasons. First, I of all, can
1: think of several reasons why
0: this would be terrible. Yeah, I mean, I don't even really need to. Spell you don't this need out. to explain it. Really I get don't. it. <laughs> Look, Big Country was not metal at any point in their existence. No, so they aren't going to be something that Alice fans are going to be like going for. Who? made this decision? like Management. I think they were just trying to get big countries some kind of exposure. But was a friend of a friend and like a negotiation was formed. Were they
1: just like, well, we're in Scotland. We need a Scottish band. Let's get these douchebags over here. I have
0: no fucking idea. I wish I was a fly on the wall of that conversation.
1: Granted, if they were trying to find like an actual Scottish band to open, to appropriately open... For Alice Cooper, I bet they'd be pretty hard-pressed. Yep. So,
0: I guess. I guess. I guess. Maybe. It wasn't great, though. Also, their music still didn't have the thing it needed to move the masses. It didn't have that itty-bitty ting yet. Yeah. Label companies were passing on them, and with that, manager Ian Grant convinced the two original members that a shakeup was in order. So keyboards were out. And, of course, that also meant his brother was going to go with him. Mm-hmm. And Clive left with his drum kit, too. Stuart and Bruce looked around their circles and found two session musicians who they knew from the band On the Air, who opened for the skids a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> this included drummer Mark Braziki and bassist Tony Butler. At the time, Mark and Tony were trying to get out of their session limbo by trying to find a band that was just starting from the ground up. They called themselves Rhythm for Hire, and at first they were just brought on to help record Big Country's first single, Harvest Home. Oh. But the chemistry was just there, and they became permanent fixtures in the band. Good for them. Right? Rhythm for Hire. (laughs) As they worked on more songs that showcased their developing big sound, they managed to get themselves signed to a record label, Mercury Phonogram Records. From there, they were set up with producer Chris Thomas, who had worked on classic records like Dark Side of the Moon and Nevermind the Bollocks. Oh. so that's an interesting resume. Right? (laughs) So, I mean, yeah. But, like, it's a nice mixture. You're like, oh, you got a little Pink Floyd, you got a little Sex Pistols. All right. Because I guess Big Country kind of
1: falls somewhere in the middle of those two.
0: I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. When they went into the studio with him, they thought they were going to be working some real magic with this guy. Except he was pretty much phoning it in with Big Country because he kept having to travel to the Caribbean to work with Elton John on his next album, Jump Off. Oh,
1: oh, excuse me, boys. I have to leave for a few weeks to go to the Caribbean
0: and work with Mr. Sir Elton John. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but it's. um, Sir Elton John. He wasn't a Sir back then, he was just Elton, Mr. John. If you're nasty, (laughs) I mean, not for me, but okay. no. (laughs) The only thing that came out of those recording sessions was Harvest Home. It didn't reach a spot on the UK singles chart, but it did manage to get a few heads turned to their direction. One of those heads was Steve Lillywhite, which is just (laughs) the fucking (laughs) most proper name I've ever heard. Lily White. Yes, when he was Mr. Lily White. <laughs> Yes. He famously worked on U2's first three albums, as well as done some stuff with Susie and the Banshees oh. and the Psychedelic Furs. Oh, I like his resume a little bit better. Right? Honestly. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about U2, but their first few albums were pretty solid. That was before they
1: became Bono and Company. Yes. I have Glaucoma. <sighs>
0: Bono, oh, I've
1: got glaucoma coma. and company. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you, need to, you don't even have a
0: last name to end that with. I no, I don't. <laughs> I, I realized that halfway through. But he was the final key in creating the quintessential big country sound for their debut album. He nurtured the band's talents where it was needed. And it was greatly needed on Bruce, who was much greener in the music world compared to his bandmates. See, he had the talent, but not the confidence. Steve spent a lot of time with him. Building up his confidence and helping him try out basically any crazy ideas he came up with. Well, that's nice. Yeah. it's He was the person who wasn't going to say no to him. He's like, you want to try that? Let's try that. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Do it. Right? Just fucking do it, man. They also input rules that would keep them sounding unique. They decided against playing any blues notes because they didn't want to sound bluesy. Good. They treated the bass more like a third guitar and less like a rhythm instrument giving Tony counter melodies to play against the other two guitars. I like it when bands do that. Right? I mean, honestly, I, yeah. I can't, I really like it when...
1: Like, if I see a band that's just like a drummer and a bass player, like Death From Above 1979, mm. they have so much more room to be more creative because they're treating the bass like a, like a guitar more than yeah. a rhythm. You already have the drums. You have a rhythm section, technically. Yeah. So you can kind of treat the bass more like a guitar and you know do leads instead of just and
0: think back to our bassist appreciation episode all of them from like esperanza to fucking getty lee Mm -hmm. all of them treat the bass like another guitar yeah they don't just like keep the rhythm they play these amazing counter melodies yeah or melodies even yeah they discovered using harmonizers delay and reverb that they could give their guitars a different tone, one that makes them sound like bagpipes. That's why they sound like bagpipes. Yep,
1: because they sound like bagpipes.
0: And let's not forget the drums, where Mark was inspired to give them a bit of a marching feel without making it a marching song. He used the drum part of Paul Simon's 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover and blend his own style in it. Steve loved the natural rhythm of it and encouraged Mark to just keep going with that. It's kind of like...
1: um. They're taking very traditional Scottish sounding instruments or Scottish sounds Mm -hmm. and updating them. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. In a modern, I guess, what is this, 80s, 90s Yeah, I mean, it's modern. Yeah. In a more modern way that people haven't really heard before. Yeah, it's... Which makes it all the more bittersweet that they didn't get as big as they could have in the U.S. Because they could have influenced so many more people.
0: I agree. I think the music world could have benefited from a little bit more Big Country. Yep. Just throwing that out there.
1: And, and more Big Cunts is all I'm saying.
0: We need a few more Big Cunts. Yep. Big Cunts here. It's a few more. It's a couple. With all this work put into it, you think this album is going to be some real hotness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Well, kids, you'd be right. Big Country's debut album, The Crossing, is still held in high regard even today as an acclaimed piece of work and just a damn bop. Yeah. It's a good album. It's solid.
1: If you only know in a big country, you should go and check out The Crossing because the whole album together. Oh, yeah. Is a pretty
0: awesome experience. It really is. And going back to touching upon like how they make that unique sound. You know, they make a big deal about the fact that they don't use keyboards and synths to make those sounds. Yeah. Yeah. They make it all throughout their own instruments and through experimentation.
1: Truly the most impressive part to me is the fact that they really do make the guitars sound like bagpipes. Yeah. Which is crazy to me.
0: Yeah. How do you fucking do that? Yeah. Even. And they even make them sound like violins and stringed instruments because they just like use these different techniques. Mm-hmm. And they got creative and they had this producer who was 100% behind them and trying different things. Yeah. So it just goes to show if you let people like just experiment, it can turn out really good. Mm -hmm. But also have your get a grip friend because we have had some times where people have experimented and it did not end well. Yeah.
1: You especially need that get a grip friend when you're like, but a double album for my sophomore effort sounds like a great idea. Don't do it. It's never
0: a good idea. It's never a good idea. Stop. Don't. Don't fucking do it. (laughs) It's more than just basic rock music. It has a modern twist but also touches upon traditional Celtic sounds and epic moving songs. For a time, it got them classified as Celtic rock, which kind of led them to be compared unfavorably to Thin Lizzy. Because mm. a lot of people would be like, oh, you're just trying to be fucking Thin Lizzy. And they're like, I mean, that's great. We fucking love Thin Lizzy, but we're not. Yeah.
1: No. I can see where they would get influence from Thin Lizzy, but not... Yeah. Um not be a copycat of it no
0: I don't think that they're like Thin Lizzy at all And I think the problem was that people would just categorize them as Celtic rock band
1: yeah and they would just be like oh well Thin Lizzy is that so you're that
0: and then you're like but we're but not no? and then people who want Thin Lizzy listen to Big Country and They're and like you're not Thin Lizzy and they're like we know <laughs> what the fuck you're not Thin Lizzy you're like Fat Elizabeth damn that was a flooded. really
1: bad joke.
0: No, nope, I like it. It's really fucking terrible. <laughs> no, that was fucking terrible. I'm sorry. Go sit in the disappointment corner. <laughs> it is technically hard to categorize them because they even get a little proggy with songs like Poro Man. Is that how you say it? Poro Man? That's how I would say it. All right. It runs nearly eight minutes and it definitely has like sections. Like acts, yeah. Like it really does feel like a prog song. <laughs> You're kind of sitting there, like, huh? Is not really
1: getting into this? I bet they listened to a lot of Dream Theater before they wrote that song. Was Dream Theater around in the eighties? Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah, they st- actually. Mark has stated that he's heavily influenced by Genesis. Oh well, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Although, arguably, Phil Collins Genesis, not as proggy as Peter Gabriel Genesis.
1: Yeah, you needed that fucking weird, weird ass shit that Peter Gabriel was bringing into it. Oh, but Peter also, Gabriel. was this like early mid-80s?
0: No, this is like 83?
1: Okay, 83-ish. then I don't
0: think Dream Theater wasn't around. No, yet. it wasn't. We're just going to go with Genesis. We'll go with Genesis. Probably yes. Yeah. Probably oh, yeah. yeah. Rush. Yes. Rush. Yes. Yes. Genesis. Yes. Yes. Anything with just one word. They were yeah. Prague. Yes. <laughs> And the maturity of the lyrics were praised as well. Songs like Inwards and Chance deal with loss, and they even touch upon the historical with the song The Storm, which is about the 1745 Jacobite Reb Reb Rebellion. Why could I say Jacobite when I couldn't say Rebellion? I don't know. Jacobite. Thank you, (laughs) Jacobite. I didn't even know what that was. I had to look it up. Um, you can learn all about it if you watch Outlander. Oh,
1: is that what Outlander's about? At least the f- first season, first or second season, but oh. yeah. Um, Main character, what's his face? Sure. Ja- Jamie is a jacobite, I think. I watched it a while ago, I don't remember. It's a real
0: stupid show, but I kind of really like it. You just it. watched it for the steamy sex scenes. No,
1: they're not really even that, like, steamy. Um, I like historical dramas. I
0: know. I know you do. Well, for those of you who are like me and don't fucking know what that is, (laughs) the Jacobite? Yes, you did it. Yeah. The rebellion was an attempt by Charles Edward Stuart to regain the British throne for his father, James Francis Edward Stuart. It took place during the War of the Austrian Succession when the bulk of the British army was fighting in mainland Europe and proved to be the last in a series of revolts that began in 1689. Mm Mm-hmm. Yup, I found that on Wikipedia, because I saw that and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. I had no idea.
1: I knew a little bit about it, but the Jacobites were always very confusing to me. English history is complicated, guys. Oh my god, Big Country's a prog band. Yeah, they're writing long songs about history. Yeah, they're a prog oh band. Oh my god! Big Country's just prog rock! Kinda. Holy shit! Prague rock with guitars that sound like bagpipes?
0: Yeah, but also that's kind of proggy. But also the best prog band? Yes. Definitely. Question mark? (laughs) (laughs) You're not Thin Lizzie. you're just a prog band. They were seriously miscategorized. Oh my god, sincerely. But of course the song that really made an impression was In a Big Country. It received heavy rotation on radio and all around the world, and the music video was a hit on MTV. Oh, and I don't re- even remember the music video. Yeah, it's just kind of them playing. Is a big country playing then...
1: in a big country?
0: Yeah, and then there's like a little story going on. Oh, okay. It's 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 fine. It's an '80s music video. It doesn't really make sense, of course, but like it's trying really hard to be epic too. All of this helped to get The Crossing to sell over 2 million copies worldwide and get three Grammy nominations. Huh. They never won one, though. Oh, There's wow. a cute little story I, re- I saw in one of the interviews, though. They talk about, apparently, um, they thought they were going to win the Grammy, because I guess they have, they'll have, they have you rehearse winning a Grammy, mm-hmm. like receiving it. Yeah. I don't know if they still do that, but they at least used to do it in the 80s. And so they had big country rehearse it I guess they don't have everyone rehearse it either I don't know or they said they didn't think anybody else rehearsed it so they were like oh well if they're having us rehearse it clearly we won all I know
1: is that anytime somebody performs a song and then they are nominated in the category that they announce immediately after their performance the mm-hmm. person who just performed always wins it
0: probably because they're like this works like they're stage already there wise. they're yeah. already fucking here yeah Yeah, they don't like have to change and go back to their seat and then Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So they thought they were gonna win it. So when they're like announcing like, you know, the years nominees and the winner is Boy George, and they're like, What? (laughs) Fuck. We thought we were gonna win this. Fuck the US. (laughs) This fucking blows. But also the UK, because Boy George is British. Uh huh. So like you're cannibalizing yourselves, UK. (laughs) (laughs) You're not. I mean, Karma Chameleon was a jam too. Yeah,
1: but I would much rather listen to In a Big Country than Karma Chameleon. You are
0: right. You are right. Very, though. very much. Yeah,
1: you know, well, it, it's one of those songs that I never have to hear again,
0: ever. No, I could still hear it. It's not. It hasn't hit Hotel California levels for me yet. <laughs> Fuck yeah! If I, I never am, hear Hotel California, I am again. done. With Hotel California. Dear Eagles, we are done with Hotel California. You can retire it now. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Thank you. And now Big Country was a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm. You're
0: welcome. They were touring with you too and performing on Saturday Night Live. They really seem to be turning into the next big thing. Mm-hmm. But. So wanting to strike while the match is hot, Big Country gets into the studio so they can begin to work on their sophomore release hoping to make magic twice and have another hit record on their hands. Were they successful? Well, you're just going to have to wait until after the commercial break to find out. Huh. Cliffhanger! <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Are we back. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back to Rock Candy Podcast.
1: <laughs> Want to hear more about our big cunt tree?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Want to hear more about what it's like to be in a big cunt tree? <laughs> I always like say the cun, I don't say the T. I don't know why.
1: Because we're Americans from New York and that's what we do.
0: Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Alright, picture it. It's 1984!
1: <laughs> picture it. Sicily. 1984
0: (laughs) but seriously i mean like we were just born it's fine we can picture this yeah yeah it's 1984 and while working on their next album big country releases the song wonderland as a standalone single it still possesses the feel of their debut album but it didn't really move far in the u.s charts they did land a top 10 spot in their homeland of the uk though and many critics have praised this as a Probably their best single. Oh, it's a it's it's a bop. It's jam. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it to them for their next album. They decided to record in Stockholm, Sweden, at Polar Studios owned by ABBA. And they, <laughs> brought, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you like <"Hey>, ABBA? <laughs> yeah, ABBA. But yeah, okay. <laughs> they brought back Steve for producing. However, this time around, there were technical issues abound everywhere. Okay, so ABBA. So- what did you do? What'd you do, Abba? Dancing queen my ass. <laughs> See, at this point in the music industry, digital recording was indeed a thing, but it was in its early days where many were still just trying to figure it out. So Abba
1: was trying to be, like, super technologically forward, and they just fucked it
0: up? I mean, maybe. Well, it's just more it was a learning curve thing. Steve was working with new equipment for the first time, and as he was going, he was teaching it to himself. So he didn't fully... Grasp the yeah. whole how to like the best thing. ways to use it and utilize it to for the best sound, okay. That kind of thing. I mean, did it not come with an owner's manual? Probably not, but what does ABBA come ABBA, on? What are you doing? Come on, you're making costumes out of your owner's manuals. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> it was a lot of experimenting, like it was last time, but this time around, the experimenting fell flat.
1: Well, it wasn't really, like, experimenting with sounds and, ooh, let's make this cool song because we haven't heard this sound before. It was more like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't know. Let's see. (laughs) I don't know. We're going to fuck it up, but sure. (laughs)
0: We're going to see. They went real Mr. Poopy butthole with it. Yeah, they really did, though. They did the best they did. They God smacked it.
1: Yeah, they did. But, you know,
0: sometimes God smacking it ain't enough, though. (laughs) Sometimes it's just not.
1: Sometimes God smack just ain't
0: enough. Oh my God. It didn't help that they were still doing some touring and also going through their own personal life changes. You know, there's marriages, children, and just overall adjusting to the rock star life. Unlike older rock stars or punks, Big Country was part of this kind of new movement of rock stars who tried to stay a little more humble and be grateful for the life that they were living, so, like, they would meet fans and be pretty nice about it, and they weren't, like, aloof or egotistical. But they were which also nice.
1: trying to, like, be rock stars, but also go home and have yes. a family life.
0: Yes. And that's virtually impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, this doesn't stop things from getting stressful as hell.
1: Yeah. At this point, you kind of have to, like, either bring your family out on the road with you all yep. the time or sacrifice that kind of life for the road. Exactly. If you're going to be the kind of band that makes a living off of being on the road, Mm -hmm. if you're going to have that kind of level of success, then you kind of have to make that choice.
0: And I would say at this point, they're probably in like their late 20s. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's still like kind of formative years-ish. And like you're really Mm -hmm. hitting that peak of adulthood. Yeah. It was a weird fucking time for them. Yeah, and like they're like trying to be working class guys, but like also rock stars.
1: And also, if you are working class guys, still, you are still expected to have that family life, yeah, and have that picket fence with the house and the two point five kids, and that's a lot. Like, I am really, I am really like thinking about the words you are saying right now. Like, that's too much. That's asking a lot of somebody whose career is to make music and make popular music.
0: I mean... That's asking a lot. We, we, we host a podcast and work day jobs and have dogs, and the thought of getting a house freaks me out. I mean, I have the house, and it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys. Life is hard. It is. A combination of all these factors could maybe be attributed to why their 1984 album, Steel Town, didn't raise the commotion their debut did. Many critics initially panned it, saying that the sound was muddy and dense and the themes were hard to grasp for anyone outside of Scotland.
1: Well, maybe if ABBA had a better fucking studio. This is really just
0: ABBA's fault.
1: I'm blaming it all on ABBA. Yeah, that's fair. Waterloo and Fernando. Mostly Fernando. But Fernando and Mamma Mia because... Fuck Mamma Mia. Fuck Mamma Mia.
0: (sighs) My, my. How did you fuck this up? You fucked it up, though. You did, though. The name Steeltown is another historical reference to the town of Corby, where many went to work for Stewart's and Lloyd's Steelworks in 1935, the height of the Great Depression. And this was all well and good until the 80s, where the business went down the drain and many were left without a job. Oh. So they're singing about, like, you know, all this disenchantment and, like... Two depressions. Yeah, there Basically. You go. While it lacked the singles The Crossing had, and it didn't have the same staying power, Steeltown did enter the UK charts at number one, but in the U.S. it only peaked at number 70. The oh, wow. chances of them seeing great success on this side of the pond was kind of slim at this point. Yeah. If you're not going to hit it with your sophomore, we're going to leave you alone.
1: And it's even really hard to hit it with your sophomore album, so.
0: Seriously. Think about the number yeah. of artists like from across the pond that just never did. Yeah. It's a lot. At this point, the music press took this opportunity to change the portrayal of big country from these jolly Scotsmen, that everyone, oh, fun, jolly, happy men, to this grim and pompous Scotsman. What? That they're trying to push these social, you know, vendettas and, oh, and you've got like morals and it's the 80s. Nobody wanted to hear about this shit. Nobody wanted to hear about mm-hmm. their disenfranchisement of their lives. Nobody wanted to hear how depressing things were. Everybody's hopped up on cocaine and wanted to hear about how, hear about the big country dreams stay with you. Everyone's
1: just Christian Bale and American Psycho.
0: Kinda. Making money, snorting coke, killing people. Really upset about business cards. Yeah. Yeah. They were no longer being viewed as these Scottish darlings, and with that, the honeymoon phase was over. That's lame. It is lame. That's
1: a really bad promotional uh, tact. Yeah. To take, I guess. Yeah.
0: But they still had the popularity to land them a spot on the band-aid single Do They Know It's Christmas? Oh. But do they? Oh. Do they have any idea? Do you think they know
1: about Christmas?
0: We should tell them with a song. Hey. Do you know
1: do the people in Africa do they know it's Christmas? Let's all be a big bunch of white people telling them it is.
0: Yeah. Hey, there's a couple black people in there. A couple. Just a They're a nice little handful just to balance it. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that fucking song. Totally makes up for it, you know. If you want to hear us really bitch about that song, you can go to last year's Christmas episode, Tis the Season motherfuckers. Yeah. Between 84 and 85, they were touring successfully to promote their albums. They even got to tour with Queen for a little bit. They oh. opened for Queen on Queen's last show. This makes far more sense than Alice Cooper. Far more sense than Alice Cooper.
1: It, who, whoever made that show should get a promotion. Yeah, that was the correct. The, whoever did the Alice Cooper one should get fucking fired. Yeah, seriously. I think it was the same guy. It's fine. He, well, he, he made up for he it. He made up for it. He learned his lesson. Yes.
0: In 85, they recorded the soundtrack for the Scottish movie Restless Natives, And it was around this point that everyone noticed there was a little problem with Stuart. Okay. Same story as every other band that we ever fucking talk about. Second verse, same as first? Kind of. Touring burns you out. Yeah. Did you know it's hard to go on tour? It's a little bit hard. It's a little bit hard. And many end up finding a crutch to deal with it. Stewart found alcohol to be an adequate solution. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to no say heroin. heroin.
0: <laughs> Again, you know what? Like, how many episodes since our last heroin incident? It's been a few. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute, but no heroin. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's been a minute. I can't even think about who. Yeah. Well, good for us.
0: Right? I <laughs> good guess. for them? Good for everyone. All right. With his increasing instability, he claimed he was quitting big country. But he didn't actually end up quitting Big Country. He just said he wanted to. Right? So keep that in mind. It confused the hell out of the industry and nearly cost them a spot in the famous Live Aid concert. See, the industry can act as a small town and gossip spreads fast and insanely inaccurately. Mm -hmm. PR believed them to be breaking up.
1: Especially when you don't have Twitter to immediately be able to correct yourself. This is the
0: 80s, guys. We did not have news move as fast as it does now. News moves. It didn't back in the 80s. (laughs) We didn't have news moves to help everything out. We had news stops. (laughs) But last minute, they discovered that wasn't actually the case. They weren't breaking up. So they let Big Country be part of the all-star finale. However, Mm. they weren't able to get themselves a spot to perform solo Perhaps ruining massive exposure to the world that bands like U2 got that day. Ugh.
1: Fucking U2. I mean, fucking I'm U2. Sorry. But Look, fucking U2. 80s U2
0: is fine. I'm fine with 80s U2. You Even know what? like one or two 90s albums.
1: I actually really really like Sunday Bloody Sunday. Yeah. That song is fantastic. That's a that's I was going to say that's a jam. I don't want to call it a jam though. It's just a good song. Um Basically like mid nine early mid nineties U2 Actung Baby was a good album.
0: Mm. Yeah. That was like their I think that was their last good album. After that? Because that was like ninety three ish, maybe? Yeah, after that I'm like, nah. Look, once once Bono started wearing those sunglasses, it was all over for me. <laughs> once
1: he got the glaucoma. Once he got
0: sorry, Bono, once he you got your it. fucking glaucoma. <laughs> I just can't. Some can't. people have heroin. Bono has glaucoma. <laughs> it's fine.
1: <laughs> there are so many YouTube fans
0: right now, right, that are probably just like, why do you guys hate YouTube too so much? <laughs> Sorry. Mostly just Bono, guys. And I don't even hate, you know what? I don't even hate him. It's He's just so just easy. an easy target. So easy. You know, I 100% own up to it. I don't hate Bono. He's just an easy target. Yeah. I'm kind of just following the herd with this one. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like their later music is not good. No.
1: Guys,
0: like like anything after like mid-90s is just not good. And that's fine. Basically that one video where it's just the edge
1: oh and God. his face and somebody is like, people are just putting their feet all over his face. Yeah. That's when I was like, no, I'm done with you too. I'm also, done.
0: I can't. Also, the edge. Also, the edge. I think that's enough of a reason for us to not like you too. You're welcome.
1: Someday we'll do it. An episode or two on them, and it's going to be a fun time. Oh, my God.
0: Woof. Well, this whole fucking debacle with Live Aid was enough to shake some sense into Stewart, and he decided to stop drinking. He joined AA and committed to the whole sober lifestyle. Good for him. Right? And with that, Big Country got themselves back in the studio to work on more music. Cool. And at this point in their career, they are beginning to see a lot of record label interference. Hmm. Because they're not doing great. But the record label wants them to do great. So yep. what's the record label going to do? They're hey. going to take charge.
1: Hey, you should do these things. Right?
0: Here's a list. We're going to make you do them.
1: Fucking do them.
0: They got a new A&R guy in order to, to get them to top the charts again. And then they got a new producer. And everyone was just kind of at this point deciding what they wanted the band to sound like. Instead of letting the band just sound like the band. Okay. One time, Bruce came into the studio to find the producer laying na- laying down new guitar parts without even asking Bruce to do it. I'm sorry. Yeah? Is this Bob Rock
1: from some kind of monster?
0: But Bob Rock can do whatever he wants. That's Bob Rock hair.
1: is allowed to do that because he wears the dragon embroidered shirt.
0: And has that hair. And he has and that hair. And he's a nice guy. And he's a nice guy. And he knows what's best. This guy is not Bob Rock. He's not. Overall, the band saw this interference as them losing control over their own music. Obviously. Duh. Despite all the issues surrounding its creation, their third album, The Seer, was still a big hit. And actually, I will say, this is an album you could probably listen through. Again, like The Crossing. Like this. This has some fucking bops on it. It had successful singles like the title track, The Seer, which featured Kate Bush on vocals. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's a good song. That's a good song. Kate Bush ain't. ain't Ain't Something to shake a stick at. I already used that. I know you Uh did, but it also works because Bush. (laughs) Sure. Nature. Yeah. Sticks.
1: She is no shrubbery. (laughs) That's not even a thing. It's not a thing. I don't know.
0: We're going to start saying it now. She ain't no shrubbery. She ain't no shrubbery. Yo, that girl ain't no shrubbery. (laughs) It's a thing. I'm I'm owning it.
1: I'm owning it. Yeah. You invented it. There you go. Take it take, in, take it, and do with it what you will. Yeah. Because it's girl a ain't no
0: sh- She ain't no shrubbery. She ain't no shrubbery. The other single, Look Away, even charted in the U.S. and hit number one in Ireland. So, they're, oh, okay, The seer, we're coming back. We got some good all right. shit. All right, all right. There are two mixes of this album. The first was done with the band's approval, but it was rejected by the label for not sounding commercial enough. So they remixed it again and released that one. And that's actually the one you hear. Okay. And it is good. Yeah. For what it's worth. Not bad. Many praised the album for being a return to form for big country, going back to that big sound that made them so popular in the first place. Considering the success of The Seer, the label execs wanted to make a really solid effort to win the U.S. audience back. They're seeing it. They're like, "Mm, we
1: can taste it. We got it. But let me guess. They fucked it up.
0: Well, they tried with their 1988 follow-up album, Peace in Our Time. They brought in producer Peter Wolf, who worked on Starships We Built This City and Hearts These Dreams. Yeah. Right? You're like, okay. Jams. It has to work with that resume, right? You would think. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it didn't work. No. Ooh. They lost that edge that made them unique, trading it in for pop sounds. I mean, arguably, Heart kind of did the same thing. Well, yeah, and, but like, I think it kind of worked for Heart. It did work for Heart. It's not going to work for Big Country. Yeah. And actually, this album is bad. <laughs> this is a bad album. I listened to like a good chunk of it. and I'm like, uh-uh, this ain't it. Oh, no. That is disappointing. It's not good, and it does it does sound like Starship, and it does sound like Eighties Heart, and that's why it doesn't work.
1: Yeah, their n- country th- isn't those bands. They're not the kind of band that can transition into that kind no. of uh, look and sound. Heart can do that, right? Jefferson Starship can do that. Starship Jeffers- Jefferson
0: Airplane. Jefferson, Jefferson Starship, Starship Airplane Starship
1: can Jesus, but Starship. Can do that.
0: Starship, <laughs> starship. No, not that starship. Starfleet. That's
1: Starfleet. Yes. It is.
0: But the point is, yes, those bands. Man, we're gonna have to do a transition from. We're gonna have to do a timeline of airplane to starship someday because that shit's <laughs> bananas.
1: That is. I don't know why that works, but it does. That is a several episode thing, I think. And I don't know if I'm mentally prepared for it. I don't think any of us can deal with that right now. Maybe in 2020. 2019 has
0: been shit. And I don't
1: think anyone wants more shit. I cannot deal with a three-parter on Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, and Starship. No. No. Mini-series. Mini no. No. We're not ready for that, guys. Not That's some primetime shit. That I'm not ready. Maybe next summer.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Let's see how 2020 starts to shake out. <laughs> but anyway, everyone saw through this attempt to win back the American audience, and they completely dismissed it. And coincidentally, this is their worst performing album in the US to date.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I'm not surprised. Yeah.
0: With this plan going bust, manager Ian Grant came up with an alternative. What if instead of trying to get the Western market, they, fo- they focused on the Eastern? Okay. So they decided to play in Russia's first international rock festival. Oh, in 19- you're talking about Russia. Oh, yeah. No, you thought I was going to Asia. I wasn't. Yeah. I went Russia. Okay. Yeah. I realized when I typed that, I'm like, everyone's going to think Asia. It's not Asia. It's Russia. I like the twist, though.
1: But the twist. They twist.
0: Well, they played in Russia's first rock, international rock festival in 1988, and they followed it up with a brief tour. Mind you, still Soviet Russia. <laughs> the idea was that by performing to the USSR, they could break some of the stereotypes and expose the Soviets to rock music outside of their own country. It had mixed results. Some found it to be a helpful way to expose not just big country, but overall world popular music to Russia. But many saw it as an insincere political statement. Okay. It was weird. I mean,
1: Russia was kind of iffy. Right. At this point. Russia wasn't
0: ready to play ball. Yeah. Yeah. Still Soviet Russia. In Soviet Russia, big country, dream you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's a fucked up it was. By the end of the 80s, Stewart decided the band needed to split. It had reached its conclusion. So, everyone went off to do their own thing. Mark went to drum for acts like Sting and Pete Townshend and Tears for Fears, and he went back to session like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. But, in 91, they all got back together and decided that there's still something left in them and they wanted to try it again. Except for Mark, because bitch be going hard at that session playing. At this point, he was already stretching himself pretty thin. So the best he could offer them was working as a session drummer, which was really no different than before, except now he just couldn't go on tour with them. I mean, if you got a solid gig as a session musician, then don't fuck that up. Yeah. In interviews, he says that it wasn't that he didn't want to go back to the band, but he's somebody who always has to be working. And if I guess we can relate to. And if you are like, if you have a solid gig,
1: as a session drummer. Saison. Session drummer. And that's your thing. That's, that's how you get your work is yeah. word of mouth. If you take a year off and go tour. With, you're going
0: to lose so much. You're going to
1: lose everything.
0: Gets a lot from working with other artists. Right. And unlike the other guys in the band, he didn't have the wife and kids in house. Mm-hmm. His life was music. Right. So for him, when the band was like, we're going to split. He's like, all right, I'm going to do my own thing. And they get back together, and he's like, I want to be a part of this, but you guys need to understand, this is my life. Right. So, he wasn't doing it in, like, a shitty way. He was doing it in this kind of, okay, but I have a lot else going on right Mm -hmm. now, so let's work with it. And they did. He worked with them on their sixth album, No Place Like Home. They did a total 180 on their sound, and it was not the best choice for them. Actually, if there's any album that I would say skip over, it is this one. It's trash. What did they do? (laughs) Well, in all honesty, it sounds kind of like country music, which they already had so much trouble with. So here's the funny thing about big country. A lot of people dismiss them because they thought the name big country meant they were country music when they are the farthest thing from country music. Exactly. So in America, at first, people were like, oh, they're country in Russia when they were trying to hit it. People were like, oh, it's country. Which is kind of weird because I feel like mid to late 80s was like
1: the heyday for country music. That was when modern country music became a fucking thing. You got the Judds. You got the Judds. You, you have Martina McBride. Mm. You have Billy Ray Cyrus. Mm. You have all of like Tanya Tucker and all of them that are really making names for themselves. Vince Gill, mm. Garth Brooks. They all got late their night- shit going. Yeah,
0: late 80s, early 90s. That yeah. was the heyday for that shit. Very much so. So you would think, yeah, that this would hit really big in the States. You would
1: think they would. But I guess country people are expecting them to sound country. And then they get like guitars sounding like bagpipes. And they're like,
0: what the fuck what is, is going, going on, on right anywhere? now? Well, funny little story about that. The album was never released in the US. Hmm. Because it was garbage. <laughs> it's terrible performance actually got them dropped by their label.
1: Oh, no. From then
0: on, they became a minor act. And only one album was released by a major label, their 1993 album, The Buffalo Skinners, which was released by Chrysalis. That's a pretty, like, morbid name. Yeah. The Buffalo Skinners? Yeah. And then the like, cover just these two buffaloes. And you're like, what are you, what are you going to do with those buffaloes? Oh, that's like a PETA video waiting to happen. It really is, though. They continued a few more releases throughout the 90s, but nothing really stuck, and they didn't see the success of their Halcyon days. By the mid-90s, it was clear that Stuart was heavily drinking again. Oh. Fell back off the wagon. Cool. Hard. E- Ian had thought a change of location may help with his worsening problems. So he suggested that Stuart go to Nashville to hook up with other musicians and try to refigure his focus. Instead, it just kept him away from all the people who understood his problems and could have helped him. I was just going to
1: say, like, going to a completely unfamiliar place where you don't know anybody and you don't have any social network whatsoever, that's not where you go to overcome an alcohol problem. Because no. you know what you're going to do? You're going to make connections by going to the bar.
0: Mm-hmm. Ian's initial thought was just to visit Nashville and study with others. One does not merely visit Nashville. I mean, we did. We did, and we're still haunted by it. It was bachelorette parties, though. Woof. But why? But why? Stuart was clearly becoming very influenced by the popular country music of the Nashville scene, Hey, like everyone we just talked about. He wanted to put Celtic music and country music together and worked on a lot of side projects to make that happen. No, no. No. I... I would rather you do heroin right now. No. Whoa! No. <laughs> no. Get out of here. Fuck off. Get out. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. In 99, after the release of Driving to Damascus, which for some reason in the States was called John Wayne's Dream. What? Yeah, they just changed the name of the album. I don't know why. Because Americans, Americans don't know what Damascus is. Yeah. I guess. I guess. Big Country once again did a small tour for about a year. And Stewart's drinking wasn't any better. He nearly missed their final show due to drunkenly getting on the wrong flight. (laughs) He was supposed to go to Malaysia and he ended up in like Indianapolis or something. That's not funny. It's not funny, funny, but also you're like, what the fuck? But how do you fuck that up? It's so
1: ridiculous. Why are you drunk that that much in an airport? How are you
0: that drunk in an airport? Like, you
1: don't get that drunk until you're on the plane. How did you get past security?
0: 80s. 90s? 90s. 99 90s. It was definitely pre nine eleven days.
1: Yeah, that's how you get
0: that's how you on get, a plane yeah. that shit-faced. Yeah. The gig wasn't great either. So, again, the band decided a break was in order for everyone to kind of get their lives back together. In theory, that makes sense. It should have worked. They should have been able to take a break, clean up, and come back to make more music. hmm If you uh, tell me somebody
1: dies, I'm going to lose it. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Keep um, going. <laughs> Keep
0: going! (laughs) Unfortunately, in November 2001, Stuart went missing for a few weeks. The band reached out to fans via the website, asking if anyone had a sighting of him to contact the police. Friends and family were at a complete loss as to where he could have gone. What the fuck? He had been up to this point doing kind of this thing where he would just kind of leave and go stay at random hotels. And just get really blackout drunk and then come back, but then go do it again. Okay... But then on December 16th, he was found in a hotel in Honolulu, Hawaii. He was hanging from a rail in the closet where he took his own life. Oh, fuck He was only 43 years old. That sucks. Yeah. He was very young. And he just suffered from crazy depression that nobody saw until, of course, it's too late. And... The drinking, I mean, the drinking is not, if you are depressed, do not fucking drink. But also that is a huge red flag. Yeah. And I mean, nobody knew how to like get him to deal with it because at one point he dealt with it and they're like, okay, right. so go back. And But he... then it happens again and it's 10 times worse. Exactly. Yeah. Whenever somebody comes out of rehab and goes back, it's like, it's even harder the next times. Yeah. So he passed away, unfortunately. You may think that's where Big Country's story ends. However, it is not. In the aughts, they did some light, very light touring, with Tony taking over on lead vocals. But they knew if they really wanted to continue, they were going to have to find someone to take over. Enter Mike Peters from the band The Alarm, who I guess are very big in the UK. I've never really heard their stuff. I've but never heard of them. They're pretty big over there. The Alarm had actually done some touring with Big Country after they met through mutual friends. You too. (laughs) Both Bono, Aaron, Bono brought up both Mike and Stuart on stage to sing with him one night. And that's when they met and they became really good friends. He was very close to the BC guys, especially Stuart. And once Stuart even suggested he take over singing duties for him. And in hindsight, Mike kind of feels like that was Stuart's planning for his early departure. It's, again, all these fucking red flags that so you're like, yeah, now I fucking see it. Yeah. By 2012, Tony decided he wanted to bow out of big country permanently. And so he retired, citing differences with his bandmates as the primary reason. And they replaced him with Simple Minds bassist Derek Forbes. Hmm. And one last final addition was Bruce's son, Jamie, who also played guitar with him. And it's really funny to watch them all in interviews because, like, Jamie is, like, 20-something and the rest of the guys are in their 50s. That's so weird. It's, like it's, kind of like Father and son. it's
1: kind of like Roger Taylor's son, who is also a drummer, who is yes. now the
0: drummer for The Darkness. Tiger Taylor. Tiger Taylor. In 2013, they released a new album called The Journey, and it seemed Big Country was ready to go. Except that they weren't. <laughs> At all. What? So they ended up replacing Mike on vocals with English singer Simon Hugh, and then a few years later, Derek was replaced with Scott Whitley. At this point, they seem pretty settled, but, like, I don't really know if this is going to stick at this point. Because I'm just going to make the argument right here and now. Big Country's days have probably passed. Mm -hmm. Especially with the death of Stuart. I think it's great that these guys stay together. They make music. They celebrate what they've done. But I don't think anything new that they come out with is going to hold a candle to their former glory. Right. So.
1: Especially
0: anything that they wrote and released. 30-something years ago. Yeah. So. It's, it's, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I'm going to be the Debbie Downer and say, guys, this ain't it. And to be perfectly honest, I did not
1: realize that they continued releasing anything after the 80s were over.
0: Oh, yeah, because their 90s stuff is not great.
1: I had no idea. Not great. I thought
0: they stopped in the 80s. and I Yeah, no. Yeah. Their story, to me, paints a picture of a really talented group of guys who could have maintained longer staying power if it wasn't for these weird, small hiccups in the absolutely worst times of their career. I mean, maybe they could have had a spot on Live Aid and that could have been what boosted them. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, like, if they took one slightly different method with making their sophomore album, maybe they still could have had that one hit that kept them alive. It's really weird how they just had these little, tiny hiccups, Mm -hmm. but they were enough to like send this ripple effect down their entire career. Yeah, And were Stuart alive today? Yeah, I think they could possibly have a comeback, even a small one. Mm -hmm. I think if Stuart was around, yeah. Maybe. Because the themes of their music would really resonate with people today. Mm -hmm. One of the things that that makes Big Country's music so appealing is that it's really about the everyday person. They have many songs about blue-collar life, income equality, struggling through just daily life experiences and also uplifting themes of opportunity and making it through tough obstacles. And I mean, right now, yeah, that's what people want to hear. In the eighties, people didn't want you to tell them how shitty life was. Nowadays, like, yeah, fucking tell me how shitty life is. (laughs) Commiserate with me, please. We're all about commiserating right now. And so maybe that's just another factor too about big country is they were all about commiserating. They were a band before their time. Mm -hmm. And even though we won't ever see them in their former glory, at the very least, their old stuff holds up today, and it's definitely worth your time to go back and listen through it. Go back and listen to Big Country. It's good. It's worth it. It sticks.
1: At least listen to The Crossing, because that album is so good. That album's
0: great. And even, I would say, The Seer. The Seer is very good, too. Mm-hmm. Look up at least their number ones. Even if you just go on Spotify and just like find like one of their greatest hits albums. It's good. It's all really solid music. Yeah. And it's just it sucks. And you wonder too, it's like if they happened to just have a little bit more success would Stuart be alive? Could he have gotten the help he needed? Would he have fallen back off the wagon? Honestly considering how
1: alcoholism was handled at that time, mm. yeah, I don't know not. if very much would have been different. Um, Could have been worse. Could have been a little bit better. However the actual end game was actually very sad.
0: Yeah. That's the worst part too. It's not like it was cirrhosis of the liver. It wasn't like drunk driving accident. He just needed to escape so much that he killed himself. And that's mm-hmm. it's really sad. It's it sucks, you know? Cause again, I think that they could have at least ended up with maybe like even if it was, like, nostalgia shit. I mean, Toto's still doing shit because people, like, rediscovered Africa. So who knows if oh, there was, like, a big resurgence of, like...
1: Nostalgia life is, like, real big right now. Right. People of our generation are really into getting back into the shit we were into when we were very young. Right. Um. So people... He, they could have had... They could have gone out on tour... With another band that people were really into re experiencing and probably would have been pretty successful. They and
0: definitely would have hit SPAC up.
1: Oh, yeah, they would have. <laughs> SPAC or like The Palace or mm-hmm. something like that. Or some like, like me and Monica, our friend Monica, went to the Isle of the 90s tour yep. a few years ago with like Salt and Pepper and Coolio and Vanilla Color Me and fucking Vanilla Ice who wouldn't get off the goddamn stage. He. Wanted all the attention. He just
0: pushed the shit out of that. Oh, he
1: did. He did. He wanted
0: everyone to clap for him.
1: But if, like, if there was some kind of tour like that, but with more rock-oriented.
0: Yeah, like, in the 80s, like, you could do Big Country and Toto and... Just just shit like that. It would have killed. Simple Minds and shit like that, yeah. Would have killed. Yeah, totally. But, yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's just, it's a shame and it sucks, but at least celebrate their music that they had put mm-hmm. out and go listen to it now because it's really
1: good. Yeah.
0: It is really good. And
1: We're we're bringing back Big Country.
0: Yeah. Bringing bring it, it back. back Big Cunts. Yeah, Big Cunts bringing it back. Bringing it back. <laughs> and I mean, so thanks long-range sarcasm for getting us to listen to The Crossing and exposing us to something that we didn't realize was so fucking good. Something that was kind of a joke to us. Yeah. <laughs> that turned real
1: serious. It turned real serious <laughs> real
0: fast, guys. That's what podcasting does sometimes. You're like, oh, I fell down this rabbit hole that I didn't know existed. Yeah. Ooh.
1: And then you get a whole episode out of it, and it's really good. Yeah. Hope you guys like the whole episode. <laughs>
0: Ended on a real downer there. When somebody tells you to listen to something, do it. It's a good, There's a good reason for you know, saying. Yeah. Moral yeah. of the story, if someone tells you to check out Artists, do it. You might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for listening. Appreciate you and love you. And if you're digging everything, you should go visit our website, www.rockcannypodcast.com. You can find more episodes. You can comment on them. You can toss us an email. You can find our social medias and hit us up on those as well because we social media, we have those. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> because we it's, have to. It's a requirement it's 2019, now. 2019, assholes. Oh, uh, I'm sick of you all knowing what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> we can't delete
1: our Facebooks. No. We just can't. Not anymore. I'm sorry. In Soviet Russia, book faces you. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. Social media. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh.
0: Book does face you. Yeah. Facebook's you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Soviet is <Russia's> so scary. <laughs> uh, true. It this is, though. is true, it is. guys. Have you seen Chernobyl? <laughs> I'm still stuck oh, on that. Oh, but
1: if you haven't, like, fucking go see it. Also, yeah. that was in the Ukraine, but still, same. Oh, no, still terrifying. Still
0: same. Yeah. If you want to hear more about music and less <laughs> about HBO shows, you should go to our network, Pantheon Podcasts. Mm-hmm. We're there. We got a bunch of friends there who they're all talking about music, whether it be album reviews or just times in music or just songs or bands. You and got it all.
1: And arguably, they make far less Soviet Russia jokes than we do. So that's a
0: blessing. Yeah. You know what, though? Like, shout out to Pantheon Podcast. And is anyone else talking about Soviet Russia right now? Is it really just us? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Let us know, though, guys.
1: And during this holiday season, if you're feeling especially generous and want to give us a
0: wonderful gift, if you didn't blow your load on all your kids already, yeah. Yeah.
1: We are your children. <laughs> You can give us gifts too. We act you about can, as
0: mature as your children. You can
1: blow your load on us as well. Hmm. 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 Phrasing, um, but you can do that by becoming a patron. Yes. and you can go to Patreon dot com slash Rock Candy Podcast and give us your hard earned money, and you can get some meager swag
0: in return <laughs> sweet bonus episode yeah we'll have a fun one this month for the holidays oh it's
1: gonna be really fun you're gonna want to hear it
0: yeah because it's really good it's only for patrons so
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so, so hit patrons up- y'all
0: are in for a treat
1: so hit up that patreon get on that shit because you're gonna want to hear it
0: yeah yeah, you are very nice <laughs> very exciting and actually i mean you know holidays are coming in So we're gonna be taking a break pretty soon. We got a couple more episodes left for you guys in the chamber. We do accept
1: gifts of the physical physical kind and also of the Venmo kind. If you would like to give us
0: something, (laughs) yeah, right. I mean, we're desperate, guys. It's been a year.
1: It's the holidays. I'm desperate.
0: (laughs) I mean, in return, guys. I already
1: told you I'm house poor. So come on, she is house
0: poor. This is why I don't have a house. (laughs) It's terrifying arguably my rent is lower than or
1: my mortgage is less than your rent.
0: Oh no so. it is 100% but I also like but you live don't have a, to fix my own stuff. And you live in a nice part of Troy. I, I don't. don't. Yeah. Your I street don't. sucks.
1: They didn't even plow it. It's getting outside right now. They didn't even plow it. Anyway well, let's end this fucking yeah, episode. Tune
0: in next week. We're gonna have some more fun stories but until then party on Ashley. Ooh, Party on Maggie. and party on you crazy kids out there bye with some big country we've got big cunts I have to pee again oh my god
1: big cunt small bladder oh my god (laughs)